Hey there. Welcome to Twins Talk Clear-Cut Communication. Yes, we are twins. And yes, we are two old guys who should know better than to try to tackle the topic of communication in a podcast. But we're going to do it anyway, and hopefully you'll find it informative and maybe even enjoyable. Hey, we're coming to you from Braggville, Minnesota. And Bear, the reason we're in Braggville is because we want to brag on the last podcast. Previously, we announced that a podcast that was coming, that if you didn't like it, you were a Nimrod. And now we're saying, we love that podcast. We want to brag on it. So we have to go all the way to Minnesota to brag? We did. But of course, we travel the country bear. We go everywhere. We haven't gone international yet, probably because we couldn't pronounce the towns if we did. Well, but- that might be an interesting twist to go international. Well, I'm sure Europe has its share of odd name villages and cities. <laughs> Let's look into that. We'll look into that. Well, what we wanted to do was start a new series on coaching. And actually, we thought we would start it with making a distinction between the concepts of coaching, mentoring, and sponsoring. Because frequently, people tend to blur those and see those all the same, that uh, if you're a coach, you're a mentor, you're a sponsor. And we think the distinctions are worth making and that they're important. And so we want to start this series uh, talking about the differences between the three concepts, coaching, mentoring, and sponsoring, and then go on and do some relatively detailed conversations around each of them and what's involved. And from time to time, talk about what it looks like from the participants' perspective and what they can be doing and what's their role. So maybe to kick it off, Barry, want to talk a little bit about coaching and how you see that as different than mentoring and sponsoring, and I'll jump in and unfold the conversation? Sure. I do wonder, though, are we going to try and put these primarily in the context of business, professional life, or do we see these outside of that as well? I think my prominent examples will be the business world, the organizational world, but I think clearly they have application outside the business world. Thoughts on that in terms of how you would want to approach it? Uh, No, I just, I think you're right that by and large, when we use those three terms, those are business related, but they have application outside of business. So I'm sure that you and I will address that. I'll rely upon your therapist (laughs) background and experience. Okay. How you pull that off in a therapeutic context. I don't think therapy involves any of those three relationships. (laughs) That would be a starter. Way to bail, Bear. That's all I got to say. To me, coaching is a relationship in which when you're the coach, you're trying to identify, see, analyze behavior in the person you're coaching that will improve their performance, Hmm. allow them to be more successful. So really what's, to me, required of a coach is a very strong commitment to seeing what the person themselves can't see. I know in athletics, we always talk about people reaching the pinnacle or the higher levels of performance. Well, in truth, I believe that there's an axiom related to that, and that is you can't get to a truly competitive level without being coached. Hmm. People go work out. They can work hard. They can get in good shape, but you can't get in competitive shape without coaching. And is that because of how we self-assess, or is that because we would end up giving up prematurely. I think about trainers in in fitness centers. And oftentimes when you see someone working out on their own, they go to the point at which they're feeling a little pain and then they quit. But a trainer will push you beyond that. Or is it more because of this notion of assessment? To me, it, it involves both. One is I don't think on a personal level that we have the 
uh, commitment or the energy or the drive to take us beyond where we currently are or how we're currently performing. We will go with smaller increments. Mm-hmm. But what the coach does is the coach pushes us beyond really what we think we're capable of. Hmm. Now, I will say this. With coaching, the better performer you are, the more competent assessment you require to improve. Hmm. Interesting. Say you're a sprinter in, in athletics. Were you to knock a tenth of a second off of your current best, if you're at a top tier performance, takes an amazing amount of insight, takes an amazing amount of understanding of the wrinkles, the small nuances that can make that difference. When you're coaching someone who is really brand new at something, then you can make big gains quickly because they've never been performing at a high level to begin with. Mm-hmm. But as you move people along, as people get more competent, they need coaches who really can see the nuanced kind of behavior that makes a difference. When I translate that to the business world, that's a very interesting insight to me because oftentimes executives, really good executives, high performing executives think they don't need a coach because they're good at what they do. And yet what I'm hearing you say, and I really buy into it, is that no, they need a coach, but they need a coach that can work on those very small refinements that will just improve it that much more, that it will give it quite an edge. And so I often find because of our communication background that we're called in to coach people who are really pretty good at what they do. They're pretty talented. And what's being asked for is how do we take them to the next level? And it could be just an incremental increase, but it will make all the difference. And then we obviously get those cases where we're asked to coach people who it's really a remedial operation in terms of their communication. They're simply not good at it. So I do like that distinction that in order to get better in any context, no matter how good you are at what you do right now, coaching is a very important part of that development. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's something people underestimate, Mm -hmm. that when you're a high performer, when you're good at what you do, you really don't believe that you necessarily need coaching. Mm -hmm. Well, the truth is you are good at what you do. So you must do a lot of things right. Mm -hmm. So you succeed in light of those things you do right. But you also succeed in light of things you don't do well, but you don't see it. Mm hmm. So what you're doing with coaching for those people who are at a very high level of performance is you're helping them overcome the things that they aren't good at, but they don't even realize it necessarily. And they don't see the lack or the less impact than they like to have in light of those behaviors. So you know what what I hear you saying is that coaching is about assessment, having someone from the outside assess your skill set, your behaviors, then it is about working on skills and it is about working on behaviors. Now, how would you view mentoring as compared to that? I think mentoring is a relationship of respect, regard, more of a modeling behavior. Hmm. As a mentor, I don't think I am actively involved in assessment. I'm actively involved in helping someone understand why I do what I do and how I do what I do and why it makes a difference. Hmm. So my commitment in mentoring is to allow you to shadow some of my behavior allow you to watch and ask questions, and then I'll be willing to respond to that in hopes of giving you a leg up in what you're trying to accomplish. And you know, I fundamentally see mentoring as it's all about the relationship. And my view of it is it is about navigating the environment. So if we're in an organization, the mentoring relationship helps me as the mentee more successfully navigate the environment. Because what I've seen is that people will seek out a mentor 
And typically that mentor will be higher in the organizational structure, will be an executive of some kind, some somebody I want to be. And what I'm really asking them to do is not only, as you said, model for me how I should enact my leadership set in this environment, but also how do I even manage the environment? Help me navigate it. Help me figure out whether I ought to go this direction or that direction as I'm moving through the organization. Reactions to that? Well, yeah, I, I like that picture. I think that that's all a view of mentoring, but I also think that people are mentoring and don't realize it. Hmm. I think there's a lot of mentoring that goes on when people are watching you, if you're an exec or you're a decision maker, and they haven't stepped forward. Could we be connected in that way where I can kind of learn from you? But they do anyway. Mm -hmm. They follow you and they watch you and they see how you make decisions. And so you're mentoring without necessarily a visible commitment to a person. Now, I think it's better for the individual who's trying to be mentored to make that a little bit more official, a little bit more planned, mm -hmm. so that there can be a, a contact point, so there can be some exchange where we can, I don't say formalize, but informally allow that relationship to grow. Mm -hmm. But lots of times people choose mentors and don't let them know it. Now, I think that that's not nearly as beneficial as being in a relationship that you and the other know the intention is you'll benefit from that contact and that that person is going to be a resource. And one of the downsides of that is that I don't get to talk to them about the whys, why they're doing what they're doing. I don't get to understand exactly. it, see the behavior. And so I try to do it. But without that conversation, without that ability to figure out, okay, ah, oh, now I get it. Now I understand why you're doing what you're doing. I may be missing something there in terms of really being mentored by that person, so to speak. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think some people choose that unknown mentorship relationship because they're afraid of the risk of asking. Hmm. of stepping up and getting involved. Hmm. Because I think when you choose someone, you ask if they're willing to be your mentor, and they say yes, they may make some demands, and you better step up and accommodate those demands if you want to learn from them. Do you have any examples in your world of that situation? I'm really intrigued by it. I think we all do it. But anything that you remember, either from people talking with you or what you've seen in organizations where someone has done that and either been successful at it or not successful at it in terms of following someone at a distance? Well, my experience with that, or I view that, is that often happens with very young people new to an organization and looking, like you said, to find their way to navigate. So they choose maybe one or more people as the, in that role to help them navigate the system and without formally asking them or mentoring off of their behavior. So I think that occurs more often with, with young people, people who are new to a system. I would doubt that anyone who's familiar with the system would try to navigate it in that way. You know, as you were sharing that, I was thinking about an executive a woman who had come up and was now at a vice president level in this one company. And we were talking about a senior vice president who was quite exceptional. And she made the comment, yes, I really followed him from afar. I saw him as a person I wanted to be like, and I clearly became one of his 10,000 best friends. <laughs> One of the thoughts I have in organizations is I've certainly been involved with quite a few organizations that have established formal mentoring programs where someone in the organizational leadership structure is assigned a mentee and they're told, we want you to work with this person, mentor them. And one of the problems I've found with that is that given our conversation really reduces the impact of the modeling effect of mentorship if the person assigned is not person that the mentee would want to model on. They haven't chosen this individual. They've been assigned this individual. And there's probably still some benefit and positive effect from having any kind of relationship in an organization. That's certainly where the organization is coming from. 
I've always found that the formal mentorship program has its limits. It's not necessarily failure, but it is limited in what it can really provide in the context of mentoring. As, as you define mentoring as a relationship, a lot of those formal mentoring programs don't look at it in that light and they don't choose accordingly. Hmm. They choose according to experience and tenure and a lot of variables that don't necessarily help create a, a functionally effective relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's one of the flaws in those designed mentoring or formal mentoring programs is you're not necessarily paired with someone that you'll relate well to. Good now, that doesn't mean it won't work. Like you said, it will have some impact, but I think it has also the potential of being disappointing because the relationship doesn't form. And what you have is a conversation about experience and the other person takes a superior position because of that experience, which ultimately isn't to the advantage of the relationship. No, that's a great observation. Where it breaks down is around that relationship quality and the disappointment that comes when we don't have that. I even think back to kind of contrasting uh, coaching with mentoring. And one of the observations we've made in the past is that coaching in a way is about correcting behavior. It's about fixing something. It's about making something better. Mentoring really is not about that. Mentoring is not about fixing the person. Mentoring is about helping the person see something differently that then they have their own way of interacting or they have their own way of doing that. But as you said, mentoring is just about the mentor being themselves and sharing their vantage point. It's not really as developmental as we often prescribe it to be. That's really not what goes on effectively in a mentoring relationship. Right. Now, given time, I would like to move on and talk a bit about sponsorship and how that's different than either mentorship or coaching. Uh, Thoughts on sponsorship? Well, uh, as you and I have talked outside of these sessions, I view sponsorship as being adopted. Huh. It's about someone seeing in me something that they believe is valuable, is effective, and then sponsoring me in areas where those skills could come uh, into play and help me be successful and help the organization be successful. Mm -hmm. I think of my career as a series of adoptions where people (laughs) have been positively affected by something I've done, and then they've kind of taken upon themselves to find additional opportunity for me to do good things. So I I often call it adoption. But to me, it's a relationship in which my sponsor knows my history, knows my skill level, feels like they've got a good handle on what I can contribute, and then really looks for opportunities for me to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think in a lot of places, they would call that networking. Mm. In my network, I have people who could sponsor me if they saw the opportunity or they felt like I could be that. Yes. I love your concept of adoption. I also think that that sponsorship is really about the sponsor promoting the individual in places that that individual can't get to. That the sponsor is one who's really a fan and hugely supportive of specific individuals. I have found, and I've had fun talking about this with a variety of leaders, one of the key concepts for me in this particular episode is that if you're listening, you can choose your coach, you can choose your mentor, you cannot choose your sponsor. It's very clear that your sponsor chooses you. And sometimes it's based on them observing you and being involved in a relationship with you. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's simply they've seen you perform and they've become a a fan of yours. They've really begun to say, I want to continue to promote them and to encourage others to consider this person as a real talented individual. And so I think that's one of the things I've often found in coaching executive wannabes is they think if I can go in and get a a mentorship relationship with some executive, that automatically is going to mean I've got a sponsor. And the bad news on that is it does not at all. 
because those people will choose whom they will sponsor. How I would equate this is sponsorship is the determination of potential individual based on their performance. That I've observed performance, and now I see this individual as having lots of potential. And so the one thing you can do to get a sponsor is to perform. And it's not even just performance in general. It's performance specific. What have you done for me lately? It's how have you made my life work better? And so I think one of the unique things about sponsorship is individuals end up doing something, like you gave yourself as an example. You ended up doing something, and you made that person who became your sponsor, you made their life work a little bit better. You did something that really impressed them in terms of how it caused their organization to operate. And so now they're a sponsor of yours. I think in any organization, people immediately see that my promotions is based on sponsorship. It's really not based on coaching or on mentorship. Now, those two things add to my ability to perform. But ultimately, if I'm going to get promoted, I've probably got sponsors somewhere in the background. Thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. There have been a number of axioms that we tell children, kids, teenagers getting into the workforce. One of the ones you and I grew up with is it's based on merit. Your success is a meritocracy. You merit your success because of what you've done. So you try to perform at higher levels in order to benefit. Unfortunately, what we found out is all too often, people who didn't perform still got promoted. Mm -hmm. And then we started to to announce the axiom, well, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yes. That's how you get promoted, kind of a political advancement. Well, today, I think that's still a different axiom. And the axiom today is, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. Wonderful. And who knows you is that sponsor. Who knows you as that person who believes they know just enough to promote you because it's to their advantage as well as your advantage. Because if you succeed and it was based on their recommendation, they score points. I know telling Matthew when he got into the workforce, he kept saying, well, I want to get this job on my own based on my background, based on my skill set. Well, he was oblivious to the fact that at the time he entered the workforce, jobs were tight and you had to have some sort of key to get in. Mm -hmm. And so what eventually happened was he reached out to you, and then you reached out to an individual who became his sponsor to enter the State Farm workforce. Yes. And now once Matt's in, it's based on him. Mm-hmm. But getting in had very little to do with him. Well, and that's true in so many places. And we often don't know who our sponsors are. That's another dilemma is that we think we've got sponsors or we don't know where the sponsors are. So it becomes a little problematic in terms of solving that. But I love your statement. It's not who you know, it's who knows you. And how does that happen? That's one of the things we want to deal with. Hopefully done a pretty good job of setting a tone and an overview of the concepts of coaching, mentoring, and sponsoring in this session. And we're flat out of time again. But what we want to do in the sessions going forward is to unpack those, to really talk in detail about each of those concepts and how you as a listener either are going to be a more effective coach or work at coaching, or you're going to seek out a coach, really understand how they can be of help to you. Likewise, with seeking out mentors and how they can assist you, and then how you can gain sponsors. So that's where we're headed. The twins are done talking for today. Now it's your turn. We'd love to hear from you with feedback regarding today's theme or a situation you'd like us to step into during a future session. You can reach us at twintalk46 at gmail.com. Remember, no communication problem is so big, so complicated, or so intense that we can't make it larger, more complex, or more dangerous than it already is. 
almost effortlessly. And we'd like to thank Kevin McLeod for the score that both began and ended this podcast. Thank you.